really do love hot dogs, but that is not because of men. Welcome to this week's episode of Feminist Fiends and Quarantine Queens. I'm Nellie. I'm Pate. And I'm Quinn. Today we're continuing our At the Movie series and we're doing double duty as we talk books too. That's right. We're not only discussing Gone Girl, we're also unpacking the narrative of the Hollywood cool girl and the ways in which Gillian Flynn's novel and screenplay subvert this trope. To help us out, we've invited one of our best pals and fellow scholars, Julia Harrison, to join us today. Julia is co-editor for the Mountain Goat Journal and the upcoming editorial assistant for the Swanee Review. We are so excited to have her on. Welcome, Julia. Wow! Thank you for having me. So, we are first going to discuss the cool girl trope, getting inspiration from the analytical video by The Take on YouTube. The Take, if you're listening, please hire me. We talked about you last week in our videos. I love you. They define cool girl as a myth created by men, which is in turn a role performed by women in order to gain the attraction and attention of men. Some examples of this role are Megan Fox in the Transformers movies, as well as Kate Hudson's character of Andy and How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. So the reason why we're talking about this is because... When I watched this video by The Take, <clears throat> it perfectly put a title to this idea I've had and have been subconsciously working to fulfill since high school. Um, you know, I grew up with two brothers, and so I've had this idea of, like, what is a cool girl and what boys like in a girl. And, you know, they want you to watch football, and, like, salads are gross, and you're supposed to, like, check all these boxes. And, you know... The, the take was finally able to perfectly put a name to this idea that I think so many women struggle with. So I guess the first question just to start us off is, what are your first initial thoughts or reactions to the quote, you're not like other girls, you're a cool girl? Here's the tea. If someone had told me that in fourth grade, I would have been like, yes, you're right. Like, I'm so brave. Like, I'm wearing basketball shorts to school and, like, not serving Lux, but I'm just one of the boys. And like you, Pate, although I didn't grow up with brothers, I definitely grew up with the narrative of it's better to be a tomboy than to be a girly girl. And I never really analyzed that until I got to college and recognized that's because quote-unquote masculinized activities and interests are deemed more valuable in our society and more mainstream. So it's like cool and sexy if you're a girl who wears like NFL panties and you love sports ball, but if you're a dude and you watch fashion week, that's not considered sexy. That's not something that's uplifted in our society. And so once I saw the double bind of like you have to be the cool girl But as the take puts it, you can't challenge or surpass the men around you in their interests. I was like, damn, internalized misogyny again, rearing his ugly head in my life. And I think it's something that I still fight against today. But when I hear that quote, you're not like other girls, you're a cool girl. There's this tweet that I think of that is like, my guy, I am the amalgamation of every girl I ever thought was cool. And I 
love that. I think that that is 100% Nats how I for feel. That tweet. I love that tweet. Me Whoever too. tweeted that, go you. Go you. It was uh, Michelle Obama. <laughs> go Michelle. We stay on Michelle in this household. Um, Quinn, as you're saying that, I was actually thinking, I hadn't thought about this literally until this moment, but um, when I was in... I don't know, like middle school gym class. I literally remember our gym teacher was a woman and she was like, yeah, like if you're sporty, like actually like guys will like you more. Like she literally said something like that in PE class. Um, One thing that the takes video tackles, which is important is that like, yes, women can like these more traditionally masculine things as long as they are liking it for like their own enjoyment and pleasure not for the sake of men but literally this PE teacher that I had when I was what 13 essentially said to me like you should be doing this for the sake of building relationships with men which I had not even really like that just came back into my brain in this moment and also like something that the take talks about is that while you like all these masculine things the overlining or overarching theme is that you are hot. Like you have to be hot in order to like all these things and be a cool girl. Cause if you like all these things, but you aren't hot, then you're just weird. Or then you're just, I don't know, like people are just like, Oh, she just acts like a dude. So you just have to have the pretty face and act like a dude. And then you are a cool girl. Um, this reminds me of, uh, I just watched a Lizzie McGuire movie. Do you guys remember Kate? The mean girl. Oh my gosh, yeah. Okay, through the whole movie, her entire character is that she doesn't eat carbs. She doesn't eat pasta in Italy. Right, she won't eat pasta in Italy and her skater boyfriend is like, oh, like, I'm looking for a real chick who can, like, shovel some noodles. And then (laughs) the way that that relationship (laughs) is, what's the word? Like, resolved, basically, the way that they get back together is the skater boy being like, I think it's hot when girls eat carbs. And this girl, Kate, who just watched Lizzie like live the most amazing, whatever, eight days of her life is like, fuck it. I have nothing. Nobody likes me. I'll eat spaghetti for this boy. And that's how their relationship is resolved. And the scene that you're supposed to be like, oh my God, they got back together is Kate shoveling noodles. And it's supposed to be like, you know, and, and also, I think Lizzie McGuire is probably a good example of a cool girl, too, with her, like, best friend being Gordo, and, like, other girls don't get her, but Gordo gets her, you know? That's so, it's so forked up, especially when you think about the fact that in that movie, they're in eighth grade. So talk about internalized Dude. misogyny and being embedded into the patriarchy at a young age. Deadass, she's, like, 13 and is like, okay, I guess I have to change my eating habits, like, I made this really conscious decision that I don't want to eat carbs. Let me change that for a man. Girl, you are 13. That is not sending a great message. And also, I mean, she's made fun of throughout that entire film Mm -hmm. for being exactly what the take talks about of, like, the completely feminized, uppity, high-maintenance girl and again, it becomes especially problematic when we're projecting our thoughts of like what true womanhood looks like onto a 13 year old girl. Like, that is so messy. They just put her in cardigans the whole time. And they're like that's- pink and purple. Like, that's her mm-hmm. color palette. However, strong female presence in that movie, Mrs. Ungermeyer. Absolutely. We stand. 
yeah, we stand. Yeah. I, I mean, think she, it's funny how, like, these words, like, like, uppity, I don't think of, um, or, like, type A or standoffish, like, are really words that are used, which are, like, the opposite of a cool girl. Those are words that are really primarily used on women. Like, I don't often yeah. hear those being, um descriptive words for men and like that in itself like I think about when someone is like this is different than like the cool girl conversation but also I know I've mentioned how like bossy is like very much a term that we use to just to describe women and girls but like it's never something that is seen as like a negative thing for men and that's kind of the same as being like type a or emotional or things like that and that reminds me of kind of tying into Gone Girl, we see Amy fighting against that the entire movie, and eventually that's what kind of causes her to snap, is feeling like she's been put in a position where she can no longer suppress this feeling of needing to be type A, and that she can't show that side of herself to Nick, and so instead of doing that, she literally just goes off the rails and is cuckoo pants McGee, and Something that I found really interesting about her cool girl monologue and something that the take brought up too is this idea that you can't be a cool girl and it actually be your own decision. Like if you are presenting and projecting as a cool girl, you have 100% just internalized misogyny and you're a projection of that. So I was wondering what y'all thought of that notion because I get where they're coming from. I definitely think that that's true within Hollywood tropes because most of the time they are written by men. But in real life, like, I know a lot of girls who like to chug a natty light and, like, mud wrestle and live their truths and play sports ball. And so watching that, I kind of had a hard time with it because I felt like maybe it was stripping those women of their agency by saying, well, you must only be interested in these things because you've been crafted by the male gaze. What did y'all think? I think that's particularly interesting because I find... Like, how do you convince other women that you're being a genuine version of yourself when you like the things that you like is something that I feel like is hard to communicate. I made fun of Cormac McCarthy for a million years because it was what every white boy wanted to talk to me about when he was like, oh, you're, you read. And I was like, yeah, fuck you, whatever. That book is about like tits and horses. And then I, (laughs) I read his stuff and I was like, oh, it's so good. It's so good. And I love it. And I'm not saying that there's not like, you know, erroneous parts to it where I don't feel super valued as a female, but it's, I think he's making pretty good art. But I think in speaking with other intelligent, well-read women, especially ones that are older, they kind of visualize that as me pandering to the taste of white boys my age. Yeah. So I don't know, like how, and looking at it from the other side, how do I believe that a woman is being genuine about being interested in the NFL? Yeah. I, I wouldn't. I like, honestly, I don't know how a woman would communicate it to me in a way that I would be like, I believe you. I would be so judgmental. Okay. So going to respond to that, cause I was just about to talk about football after your thing. So I don't know. And football, um, sorry, I know college football. I am from Alabama. Um, hell yeah. Like go more, balls, whatever. And so something I've been watching recently is Little Dickie's Hulu um, show, Dave. Um, it's amazing. Everyone should watch it. It's hilarious. And it tackles <laughs> real life problems like mental health. And he's also funny. And I simp for a Little Dickie straight up. 
Ew. Um, that was judgmental. I'm sorry. <laughs> he is a creative genius, Quinn. Bye. Go watch the show. Anyways, so in this one episode, his girlfriend is at a bar. She's wearing a jersey, and she's with one of her guy friends. And this, like, douchebag comes up and, like, hits on her and is like, yo, so what do you think of whoever the guy she's wearing? And she's like, oh, yeah, he's, like, pretty good, but, like, he's not as good as Tom Brady or whatever. I don't know, NFL. And the guy's like, oh, so, like, you actually know football. You're not just, like, a dumb bitch who, like, pretends for guys. And she's like, oh, yeah, um, I'm a real cool girl, but you're an asshole and you need to leave. Sorry, I don't know if we curse on this uh, podcast, but I'm just We're being really bold and brave. Anywho, the whole point is, like, this girl was calling out a guy for trying to assume that she's a cool girl, and she calls him out real quick. It was a really good scene, but, you know, it made me think, like, I enjoy watching football because it's something that I was brought up to watch with my family, but, like, you asked me to name a quarterback for a team, I have no idea, and that also doesn't mean that I don't know, like, how football works. I think there's this idea that if a woman has to like football, she has to know every single person on the team. She has to know all the stats. She has to know the coach. And if she doesn't know these things, then she's trying hard for a man. And it's like, look, I've been to like two football games in my whole life. That doesn't mean I don't like watching it occasionally with my family. I like the commercials for the Super Bowl, but I also know <laughs> like what happens on the third down. Like you have to make it to get to the fourth down. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm not. Like, women don't have to be either or. They can occasionally watch football, and it's, like, fine. But when you're asking, like, oh, you either have to know everything or you're, like, a dumb woman who doesn't understand football, that's, I think, like, part of the problem. I think that's that's something that's turned me off from being interested in football, kind of, and other sports, but not just because, like, I'm sure if I watched it, I could totally understand it, but it is definitely, like, for the most part, like, these sports are guarded by men. Like, men are the gatekeepers of these, of these conversations, and so when I do get interested or, like, want to have these conversations, I do, like, agree with you, Pay. I get, like, quizzed or um, it feels like a trivia game, and it's like, oh, well, who's your favorite quarterback or who's this person? And then also, if you name, like, a well-known one, then you're like, oh, well, then you're just a dumb girl. And I'm just like, okay, well, why would I want to be interested in this if I can't feel empowered within it? So it's hard to know for sure if this is something that, like, women themselves are very much, like, genuinely interested in if it's, the gate is kept by men. Well, and I think that's interesting, this kind of is veering away from my initial question, but going back to my earlier point, it's like the bar is set so high for women to prove that they're the cool girl, whether that's genuine or not. But for dudes, it is simply so low. Like if a man told me one Dixie Chick song, I would be like, wow, I love my <laughs> feminist king. Like we stan a country icon. But like men are not challenged in the same way that women are, I think. And I don't want it to get to a point I'm not advocating for, like, oh, you love Jane Austen? Okay, name five of her greatest albums. Like, I don't want it to come to that. That was a joke. (laughs) I know she writes (laughs) books. Um, But I do think that that means that the bar needs to be, like, lowered for women. Well, also, just, like, who's lowering the bar? Who simply owns this bar? society. Nick owns the bar. Mm. 
girl. Um, so the takes video ultimately views the cool girl trope as evolving as it strays away from women trying to get by in a man's world and working towards a world where women are part of the equation. Do y'all think this trope is actually evolving? Um, can it be beneficial or has it been wrongly used too many times to have a positive impact? I struggle with this question, so have fun. I thought about it a lot. I I think maybe where it's evolving is, and this is mentioned in the takes video, is it's turning much more into a not like other girls trope. I hear that every single day. I have received that from men as a genuine compliment. They consider that a compliment to me, like like it's the highest form of flattery that I'm not like other women, which if you think about it is so fucked up. It pits you against all other women. It suggests that there's something inherently wrong with the way women behave across the board. And also the fact that I, in some way, for a fraction of a second, genuinely do feel exceptional. Because that's what it's doing is it's suggesting that you're exceptional, that you're different, that you're better than other people, which people love to hear. It doesn't matter how good of a person you are, people love to hear it. And to think that that's sort of where the cool girl trope might be evolving. I mean, I think Instagram has had a huge influence on that too, where it's like now you see girls being like, I'm so weird on Instagram. And that's sort of like the new movement. I honestly think it's just as dangerous because I think now instead of just seeking the validation and attention and admiration of men, you're doing it at the cost of separating yourself from other women and putting them down. I also think that like, so I think like, I think oftentimes people do like they like to be this like token feminist this like and I think this is what the take is getting at like people like Chrissy, Te- Chrissy Teigen are like speaking out about like genuine like social justice issues and humer- humanitarian crises and but by doing this if you're like tokenizing feminism that's making it like inaccessible to people um and for me I'm like we don't want feminism to be tokenized Um, Or just, like, any movement for equality in general. Like, that should not be, like, something that is tokenized because ultimately, like, it should be accessible and, I don't know, a unifying movement as opposed to, like, a dividing movement. Well, and I agree with you, but that was actually something that I took issue with in the takes um, video was that, you know, they start off talking about Mary and Andy from, what's the Mary? Oh, um, there's something about Mary and Andy from How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. And they were talking about how that trope is a projection. But I did take issue with at the end when they are talking about women like Chrissy Teigen and Jennifer Lawrence and being like, they're dismantling the cool girl trope by like coming out and being in support of things. And I was like, but they're not a trope. They are literally human beings. So why do they need, I think it's great. And I agree with you. There definitely is a real danger in tokenizing feminism, but I don't think that that's their intention. And again, going back to Julia's question of like, how can you prove to other women that you're being genuine? I think it's frustrating for me, at least that these women who are living genuinely into themselves and maybe what they're doing is a projection, but I think that everyone in the age of social media kind of lives in a projection. It's like, why, at least in the takes lens, why does it take someone having a huge platform and using that platform for good to be seen as genuine in their beliefs and their actions when we don't do that for men. Like we do not require Brad Pitt to do humanitarian work to be hot. I mean, he does do humanitarian work and he is hot, but there are plenty of male actors who don't and we still see them as like the cool, fun dad guys. And that's not true for women. Yeah, I am not afraid to admit like 
if there's a woman and she's like throwing the football with boys and drinking beer, I do look at her and I'm like, she's just, you know, trying to impress boys. And then by thinking that, even just thinking that, it's like, I'm judging these women. I'm like forcing them to prove themselves that they are doing this because they like it. And it's like, kind of like the question you asked is like, how are we going to, you know, look at women and be like, you know what? It's cool that you like that. And you don't need to prove to anyone that you're doing something like that. Um, But I think, you know, for my own personal self, I think that Julia is a cool girl. Like since I met you, not to like flatter you and put you on the spot, but like I've always thought Julia's a cool girl. And like, I mean, it's nice to know that my idea of what is considered cool has shifted and it's not this like male written role. It's like a genuine person. Thank you. Snaps. You're welcome, Julia. I mean, I just like that you, like, speak your mind, and you're not afraid to call out people on their bullshit, and, you know, not people can do that. I guess we can cut this down. I don't know if this is awkward. Sorry. No, it's not. Thank you. I appreciate that. It makes me nervous. When people are like, oh, you're not afraid to call people out on their bullshit, I'm like, everyone thinks I'm a bitch, you know? <laughs> you're a star. No. I love calling people out. I love calling people out. <laughs> to call someone a bitch for being a strong woman is anti-feminist, and know, I'll stand right. by that. You're so, right. Right. as Dr. Sylvia Gray said, if you're gonna call me a bitch for setting my boundaries and saying what I mean, then yeah, I'll be that bitch. Oh my God, Dr. <laughs> Gray, that. a queen. I love I know. her. Shout out, Dr. <laughs> Gray. I hope you're listening. Let's invite her. Yeah, she should come. Um, should we so, talk about Gone Girl? Yeah, let's yeah. talk about Gone Girl because. In, in conjunction with the cool girl trip. So I, I was thinking, so I honestly had never seen this movie in full until last night. And as I was watching it, I was thinking about like framing and how, so spoilers, if you haven't seen the movie, essentially like, or read the book, but like the first hour is like dedicated to this framing of this crime and then about an hour in we have like this change where we find out that amy is alive and and on the run and this kind of allows an insight that like we might have suspected but up until this point it was information we didn't have so like did y'all see this coming um how did this like affect your view on the cool girl like maybe when she started to go into the monologue or yeah how did it come into play um so when I, I read the book first, and when the the big twist happens, you literally flip a page, and the narrative that you had been, you know, understanding that Nick is probably guilty, and Amy is probably this innocent figure, you flip a page, and then you actually get Amy's real narrative, and it just changes your whole perspective, um, similar to how it does in the movie. And... So it wasn't until my, like, second time watching the movie that I could really, you know, understand the cool girl narrative because I had watched the cool girl trope video and it made a lot more sense. So then we kind of realized that their whole marriage, she has been pretending to be a cool girl. And you know, I think it's interesting. There's a Times article about being able to relate to what Amy is saying. And if this, is it bad that we can relate to a sociopath who has killed someone and was planning on framing her husband for murder? Like, is it bad that we can relate to her? 
And the answer is no, we just have to go about it in different ways. Like we can relate to it, but we're obviously not going to go frame our husbands for murder because we've been pretending to be a cool girl this whole time. Well, in thinking about framing, I did not read the book. And Nellie and Peyton and I were texting all last night as I was watching the movie. And so I was reading ahead on some of the questions that we were asking for today's podcast. And I was like, what are they referring to? Like, what's the big, big twist? I'm so confused. And then it happened and I was like, oh, but something that I found even more interesting than the like twist where we find out Amy is alive is the twist in recognizing that as she's talking about how she had to perform this identity of like masculinized femininity and being the cool girl, I loved the way that that kind of came at the halfway point of the movie because it caused me to look back on the first hour of the movie and realize that Amy is kind of forcing Nick into a position where he has to perform innocence and he has to perform the identity of like the grieving husband and the perfect guy in order to be seen as valuable and innocent to the society, just as Amy was having to perform this kind of femininity to be taken seriously in her relationship with Nick. Is it a fair trade-off? Definitely not. Um, Yes, Nick is a not a great guy and he's a piece of poo-poo. However, I do not think that poo-poo men should be um, accused of murder. However, I thought that that was a really great framing device on Gillian uh, Flynn's part to say, hey, let's think about the performance of femininity and then let's turn that back on men and force men to do the same. It was such a good movie. I don't think I'd ever watch it again because it was really spooky, but it left me with a lot of question marks. I just think that, like, the movie itself is genius, and, like, Amy as a character is genius, and I was just, like, the whole time, like, I don't know, it was weird, I, like, low-key admired her, like, I would never pull off or try to do the things she did, but I was just, like, impressed, like, all throughout, and, but also, too, there's, there's this part at the, kind of towards the end where Nick is, like, even though, like, I'm a bad husband, but, like, I didn't kill my wife, you know? And I kind of thought that that was a key part because I really, like, admittedly was like, oh, yeah, like, I want to hate this dude all the way through this movie. And kind of in that movement, like, in that moment, I was like, okay, yeah, fair. Like, you should not be framed for a murder that you simply did not commit. Yeah, but in that, you know, when he said that on the TV, he was performing as well. He was performing this um, character that his wife fell in love with. So, you know, was that, I mean, I think Nick, even though he is a, was a bad husband, was a bad guy, I obviously don't think he should be framed for murder, but like, you know, he was also guilty in performing someone who he wasn't, maybe not to the degree of Amy, um, but that could be something to discuss. So going back to the Time article that I referenced earlier in the podcast, um, it was written by Eliana Docterman. And she writes about Gone Girl and how nobody can agree if it's a sexist portrayal of a crazy woman or a feminist manifesto. So do y'all think Gone Girl is feminist or misogynist? 
We kind of talked about this a little bit last night when, after I watched the movie, um, Peyton, Ellie, and I FaceTimed because we were like, what the fork are we going to do with this movie? There's so much to unpack. And so this question came up and I've thought about it for the past 24 hours because I think it's a really great question and it really challenges me. I think that my first thought is that to think that I want like a movie or a book written by a woman who has a problematic woman as the central character to view it as one or the other is kind of reductive because I think that if you look at other crime novels that are have like a villainous man you probably don't refer to gender as much which makes sense because inherently gender like we exist in a patriarchal society however i don't think that there is one correct answer for a sexist portrayal of a crazy woman or a feminist manifesto i definitely do not think that amy's behavior is something to be replicated or modeled and i don't think that it's supposed to be um i don't think that that's gillian flynn's MO, but I did think it was interesting in the same article, Dr. Min says something along the lines of like, if you want to read her that way, she is like a nightmare for men's rights activists and is a perfect figure to point to, to be like, well, she lied about sexual assault. She lied about being abducted. This is what women do. And some women took a lot of issue. Well, some people, which is like fair, took issue with the fact that that was a central narrative plot point because it's proven that most women are not lying about sexual assault and very few come forward to the criminal justice system. So I did take issue with that just because I thought that that was something that could have been left out. And I think that it would have made for a more riveting narrative for me personally, if this was something that she had never done before. And I think that it would have lent itself to a bigger snap kind of moment, just in terms of plot and narrative. If she had never done this before, it lends itself to believing, to having the reader or the viewer believe, oh, she really just became fed up with being the cool girl. But having that instance where she lies about sexual assault kind of insinuates that there's something off about her from the beginning if she was doing this from the beginning. So to me, that kind of undercuts her motivation. And it's complex. I don't think that it's necessarily either, but I do think that there's a real danger coming from anyone's personal biases who may sit down to watch this movie. I think that you could view it as whatever you want it to be, but I think it's somewhere in the middle. And I think that that's what makes it so compelling and so uncomfortable to watch is that it exists in this liminal space where it toes a fine line between being like, crazy like bitch manifesto kind of energy and just like crazy meninist energy. Yeah and so something else that is talked about in this article is that you know very rarely do we see complex evil quote-unquote women characters and I think this like Amy is a very good example of someone who is like straight up evil crazy and like it's not sexist to call her crazy because she is Um, and, you know, by saying it's, like, you know, misogynist to have a crazy woman character is implying that every female character has to be quote-unquote good, um, and, you know, it's not necessarily up to, like, Flynn to, like, supply all the characters to, like, show true representation of good women and bad women, like, she was writing this novel and like the main character was like a literal crazy woman who wanted to frame her husband for murder. And 
you know, I don't think it's necessarily fair to be like, oh, well, you know, this, this very, it was a very successful book and it's portraying women in a negative way. Like, you know, I think it's a very good character, not a good character. It's a good evil character, if that makes sense. Put on a t-shirt. I don't know. <laughs> I don't even like I don't know and maybe this is because I just like admire Amy's character a lot in kind of a scary way but um like I just don't I don't know like I I definitely agree that it's probably a little bit of both a sexist portrayal of a crazy woman or a feminist manifesto but I also think that like ultimately like yes Amy kills Desi but also like Desi is there are a lot of red flags we get from Desi and I'm like, okay, well, if she had gone much further than where she was at with him, like he likely would have beat her or killed her, you know? Like I just, he was like more or less like kidnapping her in the end. Like she did not really have the option to leave. And so I'm like, yes, I just think while Amy is like a genius and complex character, I also think sometimes we're quick to criticize her because violence isn't something that like women hold it's something that the patriarchy holds and that's kind of a big claim but that's just something i've been thinking about julia what do you think sexist portrayal of a crazy woman or feminist manifesto i think for me quinn articulated it pretty exactly i think it's really well balanced i think the only thing i would have to add is uh, like i said i've only read part of the book in the waiting room of a dentist's office but it i think the thing is is we don't want to read about good women. We want to read about real women, relatable women, which makes me think honestly of Pride and Prejudice where like that book yes. ripped and was a huge deal because people were like, Hey, how come Eliza has never existed before? This person with a, like a personality and ambition who's like, she just has such an edge, you know? And if I'm being honest, I couldn't give a single shit about Jane. I know I'm supposed to, and I'm glad she's happy at the end. <laughs> But I was like, you, even when you watch the BBC version and she, she looks like a lampshade. She looks like nothing. She's hardly, she doesn't even look like a character. I'm like, that's a thing is Jane, I, my personal opinion is that Jane Austen threw Jane in there to be like, this is the woman that has been in books before. Who's like mm. a little softy and she just wants to marry. Okay. And I'm going to introduce this new person to the scene. Eliza, who's going to tear you Elizabeth? Up. Yeah. They call her Eliza in the book. No. Well, they call her Lizzie yeah, and Eliza and Elizabeth. Whatever. Elizabeth. Kind of tears shit up, which I think is a really good example of, like, for me, at least in, like, what I have read and, and seen and absorbed, it's a taking off point where women were like, hey, I'm glad that somebody finally showed the fuck up, basically, for mm -hmm. me to, to identify with and be proud of identifying with. So I don't think it's weird of you, Nellie, to, to sort of low-key admire Amy where you're like, hey, someone pulled the plug. Someone was funny, like, this is fucked up. Did she do it in a pretty wild and extremely not okay way? Maybe. But. Possibly. It was like, <laughs> I don't know. It was like relatable in some sense, basically. I agree. And that makes me think of something Definitely. because when Nellie made her big, big claim, I was kind of making like the thoughtful face on the zoom call because that really <laughs> challenged what I was thinking but I think when it comes down to it it Amy just goes to show that we need more complex women writers and more complex female yeah. characters as Julia was saying because then we wouldn't be putting so much on to Amy to say oh my gosh you have to represent something you have to be either this misogynist projection and representation 
or you have to be this example of like the ultimate hardcore feminist. And I think it's a great conversation to have. And I think it's a question that I will honestly ponder anytime I think about Gone Girl. And it's not something that I've like feel completely comfortable with ending this conversation, which I think is good. I think I'm going to ruminate on it some more, but if anything, I'm definitely walking away from this conversation thinking about the ways in which I interpret and analyze female characters and if that's necessarily fair of me. And I think that, like I said, it just goes to show that we need more female writers portraying complex female experiences on the screen and in books. Yeah, that's a good wrap-up, Quinn. That's, I agree. Yeah, you kind of just perfectly said what I was thinking. Yeehaw! (laughs) Would you like to plug things you love or that you're involved with? (laughs) No, I was going to plug some shit that white boys like that it turns out it's actually pretty good. Uh, Oh, yeah, that's great. Actually, I want to know a list. What is good that I haven't been watching because I'm afraid And we're going to claim as our own and not like it because of men. Yeah, Band of Brothers. What is Band of Brothers about? Like, I thought it was about the army. It's about, it's, it is. It's about World War II, and it's about just how fucking horrible it was. It was bad. Felt bad. Looked bad. Looked bad. <laughs> Y'all are making me cackle this week. Craft beer. Let's c- claim craft beer as our own. Yeah. Well, men are trying Fair. to take white claws, and I'm like, stay in your lane, you know? <laughs> Fair. That's fair. Wait, what else? Do you like? What else do I like that boys like? Or do you like in general? That's your own. And I'm like, anything you're reading or doing or whatever that you want to play. Dude, right now I'm reading some long-winded pioneer narratives. Ooh. That I I don't think I will be talking about with any white boys anytime soon. (laughs) I tried to, and they were like, "Oh, I'm reading Dune." So, <laughs> please cut my laugh out. That just really got me. <laughs> no, I love having your laugh. You gotta seem like normal. You cool have girls. the best laugh. You're not like other girls. Do you have a cute laugh? Like I'm literally so brave. Like I laugh and like eat like French fries and like enjoy a hot dog. Like I'm so brave and gorgeous and cool. I really right. do love hot dogs, but that is not because of men. Dude, you do love hot dogs. Do men think hot dogs are cool? I don't know. I'm just craving <laughs> a hot cool, dog, maybe. so I'm projecting it onto this I, I will inevitably keep this hot dog part in the podcast. All right, well, don't sleep on corn dogs. Oh, you know I love corn dogs. Oh, corn dog bites at Disney World? That's pretty niche. <laughs> I haven't had those. I haven't been to Disney World since I, was, since I couldn't remember, so. I, went to I have Disney no memory of Disney World. My band. <laughs> I really want to keep all of this in. Prove that I wasn't a cool girl in high school is I was in a marching band. That is what'd you play? I was on the drum line. No, no then you are cool. Okay. I guess I'm cool. I sat in a stairwell in high school. Um and what? That's, that's where I ate my lunch. Oh. 
<laughs> Wait, no, it's oh, kind of sad. Come it's on, like, with friends. 30 other people. Yeah, like, with I was going to say, when has anyone seen <laughs> Nelly alone? <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if that's what I was like, and then I got to Swanee, and that's why I was so, like, needy, was because I had spent all of high school sitting in a stairwell alone eating me eating Me eating at your book class. Like Shout out to Miss Dykes and Emily Moses. Love you, girls. Thanks for being my friends. We love HJE design. Oh, my God. Um... Julia, is there anything you'd like to say? Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you for having me. Um, it has been so wonderful to see you via Zoom and to chat with you about the cool girl trope. Um, please follow us on Instagram at Feminist Fiends. And follow us on Spotify so you never miss an episode. And with I that, just did that yesterday. Oh my God, shout out. Thank you, Julia. Um, and with that, Pete's going to give us our closing quote. Our quote is from Gone Girl, and it's from Amy's cool girl monologue in the book, not in the movie. She says, how do you know you're not a cool girl? Because he says things like, I like strong women. If he says that to you, he will at some point beep someone else. Because I like strong women is code for I hate strong women. So for all the strong women out there, what's up? This has been Feminist Feeds and Quarantine Queens. Tune in next week. Bye.